You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. If you will stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock that is God's word, we're going to hear these words beginning in verse 11. Let's go down to verse 16. It says, while he, the lame man, clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In the last verse, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith, and this is a key, key phrase, the faith, that is, through Jesus, has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will do a work of healing in our midst today. A healing of hearts, of minds, of souls. Lord, the miracle of salvation, the miracle of forgiveness, these are great miracles. And Lord, we know that you can heal uh, lame legs and ankles and arms and all those things. But Lord, we know that the real brokenness in this room today, the real depth of despair is in the mind and heart. And so, God, we pray for your miracle-working power to come to us, that we may feel it, and that we may change and grow, Lord, in our faith. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right, those of you wearing the green shirts and are under, say, 20, um, i got a question for you, because I know some of you are wearing green shirts and you're uh, north of 20. How many of you in this group are either, you have a permit or you have are, or just got your driver's license in the last year? How many of you is here? I'm not going anywhere for a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, driving is a scary thing, right? Uh, it's it's uh, when you first get in the car, all of us in this room, we know how it is. I uh, was home this, uh, for 24 hours. My mom and dad had their 50th anniversary. got to go home. Uh, when you grew up where I grew up, there was this thing called the Brookport Bridge, a blue bridge, and it's about five feet wide, and two cars are always going on it, and it was the scariest thing in the world. It was tough. You had to learn how to drive across that bridge, and it made you a man or a woman really quick, all right? But I want to tell you something. I've thought about this theme of balance. I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, you know, when we're, when we're driving, we have to pay attention, we have to keep our hands on the wheel. But it is my firm conviction that one of the most dangerous things in your life, one of the things that can cause wrecks in your life, is to let worry and anxiety take the wheel. What will get you out of balance in life quicker than anything is worry and anxiety. And I have to tell you, I did some studying this week, not for this sermon, but for another one, and it is shocking how many people in your, in your age demographic are almost already, before you've even got out into the real world and seen the craziness that some of us have seen, how much anxiety and worry is already bearing down on you. Let me just tell you this, the worst driver in the world is worry. 
He's the worst driver. Notice I said he because I'm not going to say she because I don't want the emails. But anyway, he is the worst driver. Guarantee it, all right? And so don't give in to him. And I also want to tell you that I I wanted to mention this because this morning as I was praying and thinking, I I was just reminded that God is so good and he works in our churches and does great things. Now, it's, it's, it's the truth that we worry when things are going wrong. When bad things are happening, that's kind of when people like to worry. But what I've noticed in the church is, is even when things are going good, guess what people do? They worry. And, and what's interesting here is that we have a miracle in Acts chapter 3, and then we have this amazing sermon that Peter preaches. But if you'll notice the edge in it, I've already read it to you, but I don't know if you notice the edge. I mean, he comes after that audience. He basically just tells them that they have been guilty of crucifying Jesus. That's, that's coming after a crowd. But I think that what we realize as we go on through the book of Acts is, is even as God is moving... There are people who don't know what to do with those miracles, people's lives being changed. And that worry about the unknown causes them to not experience the blessing. So let me just say this. God has some amazing things for all of us in this room. But worry will keep us from experiencing it, keep us from really enjoying it. So what I want to do today is I want to show you a couple things in this text It's amazing to me that twice as much text is given over to an explanation of the miracle than a description of the miracle. If you're like me, and I hear a story about someone who's been lame since birth, and now all of a sudden they're leaping and walking, leaping, praising, as we talked about last week, jumping around, I want to say, okay, I want to know what happened. I want to know uh, the medical uh, terminology. I want to know exactly what happened. But that's not how the Bible works. The Bible wants us to realize that the physical miracle is a minor character in the story, a minor part in the story. The major part of the story is what God is saying to us, what he is saying to the crowd here in Acts chapter 3, and what he's saying to us today. Now today what I want to do is I want to point out two elements, two specific elements that we see in this text, purposes of the miracle. And they're simple. What I want to talk today about today is simple. This is the meat and potatoes of church. When we come to church and we hear the gospel, there are two basic things that we're always thinking about. We want to see people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. So let me say this. When the miracle working power of God shows up in your life, one of the first things that happens is we begin to see people who are lost in their sins come to know Jesus as their Savior. Okay, so that's one purpose of a miracle. God lets us experience spiritual power so that we will be saved from our sins. Now, many of you with our students and here in this room, many of you are followers of Jesus. You're already walking with Jesus, but that journey has maybe gone off the path a little bit. Some of you are not experiencing the joy of the Lord. You're you really are anxious and worried all the time because you're not walking with Jesus and you know it. You're, you're making choices in your life right now that are, that are off. They're not quite what, what's right. I mean, you may not be out there, you know, burning down things or whatever, but you're just not living for Jesus. And that, that's the second purpose of a miracle. And that is sort of like a rededication. We used to call that a rededication or, or a redirection or a repositioning of your life. And so today, as we go through the word, my prayer is, is that if you don't know Jesus, that you will experience salvation in his name. And that is a miracle all to itself, believe me. And then, if not that, if you're here today and you would say you are a Christ follower, 
but you are not following him as you ought to, my prayer is, is that you will begin to walk with him. When God begins to work, verse 11 tells us that people were utterly astounded and that they ran to go see Peter and John and to hear the word preached. And let me just say this. I think it's important um, as, as we look around, as we think about our lives, many of you have been coming to church a long time. I, I find it kind of interesting that people who faithfully show up at church every Sunday, uh, I think are, are pretty well shocked when God shows up at church. I think that so many times in our, in our walk, we're not experiencing God because we really don't expect him to do anything big. And the conversation in our culture today, not just locally, but nationally, internationally, people are talking about miracles and and revivals and things of that nature, and all that's wonderful. We want to experience that, but we want to make sure that when we experience something spiritual and supernatural, that it's from Jesus, and that it's something that helps us grow in our faith, or maybe even help us to walk in faith for the first time. And it's so important, this theme of balance If we want to experience the miracle-working power of God, here's the secret. Just keep praying, keep reading your Bible, keep going to small group, keep going to worship. That all sounds really boring. But if you keep doing those basic spiritual disciplines, and we touched on this last week, we will put ourselves in a position to experience the miracle-working power of God. And let me just say this. Too many of us have a Christian walk leading nowhere. I worry that, that there are many people who are coming to church and they're faithful givers to the church. They'll even go on a mission trip every once in a while. But to say that your life has direction, you see, you can't have balance in your spiritual walk if you're not walking in the right direction, if you're not experiencing that path that God has for you. Not all of you are called to be preachers or missionaries. That's fine. But all of you, every single person in this world, is called to walk with Jesus. And too many of us, I said it to the first service, I'm going to say it to you, too many of us, our Christian walk is leading nowhere. And I believe that the miracle working power of God that we're going to talk about here today can get us moving in the right direction. But let's begin with the most important thing. And that is how God's miracle-working power can convict us of our sins. You see, in this text, God acts, and then through Peter, God explains. If you have a question about life that's important, God's word has an answer. Now, in that day, the Bible wasn't complete. Uh, Peter and uh, these guys here in the book of Acts still had things to say that needed to be written down that we can look at today. So they sort of had a prophetic gift in the sense that they could speak and, and it was the word of the Lord. Today, I'm not a prophet like that. What I can do, though, is, is take the scriptures and speak to you, and those words speak a word to you. Here in Acts chapter 3, we see something very similar as to what happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, there was the day of Pentecost. People are speaking in unknown languages. It's, it's, it's being heard uh, by the individuals. And so Peter steps up and says, here, let me tell you what's going on. This is how God is bringing his people together. They needed the explanation. Here in chapter 3, a man that everybody knew that was lame from birth was healed. And so Peter gets up and says, let me give you an explanation. 
That's what my job is, is to read the word of God to you and say, here's why. Here's why this happened. This is why God gave us this word. I believe that God gave us words like this because he wants us to continue to believe in miracles. He wants us to believe that he is always working, but he also wants to remind us that his ways are not always our ways. God is always working, but be careful because sometimes it's not easy for you to see. You see, God wants to open the eyes of the spiritually blind. And I want you to think about this, God opening up the eyes of the spiritually blind. When I'm speaking of that, I'm talking about those who really don't know the Lord. They, they, they may have a little bit of knowledge of Christianity, but they do not know the way of God. So that's why we have a preacher like Peter. Now notice in chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says that the lame man uh, that was healed clung to Peter, and all the people, utterly astounded, ran ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. Let Let me say this. I love this passage, because it's one of those rare times when somebody's running to hear a sermon, Okay? It doesn't happen much. You know, I, I see you guys coming in here and you're taking it easy, okay? You're not running in here. But, but I get it. It's okay. Uh, it hurts a little. Um, but um, I get it because these people are running to Solomon's portico because a miracle has happened. So this is important. What is the purpose of a miracle? We're saying right here out of the gate that it's one of the purposes is it brings t- people to saving faith in Jesus. And let me say this. Sometimes it takes like something big to get people's attention. Sometimes this is how God will work, to, to get people, uh, their eyes open. Those uh, that I know who've been on the mission field and have been in far off places, they often talk about how God will cause something to happen that gets everybody's attention. And then the missionary, the preacher can then speak to it and say, this is what's going on. And then people get saved. Now, here's the deal. If that can happen in sub-Saharan Africa, why doesn't it happen here? I think it can. I just think that many times uh, we're, not, we're not ready to embrace it. So part of it is uh, God has to get our attention. And let me say this. As a preacher, I know how hard this is. Uh, sometimes, well, I'll just tell you what one of my professors in preaching used to say. He used to say to keep people's attention, every two minutes you have to fire a gun. Yep, gotcha. Yeah. He said you have to fire a rhetorical gun. Now, I don't do that because, you know, this guy almost had a heart attack. Um, but... Here's my point, and you guys know it's true, because most of you, even you adults, you check out, you check in, check out, oh, he's there, oh, you don't, you hear me, you don't. Listen, here's the deal. Every once in a while, God has to get our attention, and it takes more than a firecracker, it takes a grenade. Let me tell you why, because you're sinners, because your hearts are cold to the gospel. Um, There are times when you have everything else in the world on your mind, except for the most important thing, which is the gospel and the love that Jesus has for you. So let me say this. When we look at this sermon that Peter preaches, he does not give the audience what they want to hear. He gives them what they needed to hear. Look at this. He says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made this man walk? He is saying, listen, if you want to know what's going on here, you need to realize that this all happened because of Jesus. Now, that was not a message that the people in the temple wanted to hear. Most of the people who came to the temple that day didn't want to hear about Jesus. They wanted to do those Hebrew worship things in the temple that people 
who were Hebrews did in the temple, okay? They were there for that. They were not there to have a Christian worship service. But God shows up, and now all of a sudden people are asking questions. And it's important, when Peter has the stage, he does not draw attention to himself, but he draws attention to Jesus. If God begins to work in your life, remember this, if God begins to work in your life, don't for a minute bring attention to yourself. Always point people to Jesus. If you've been given the gift to speak, don't ever think that it's your gift. It is from Jesus. If you have the ability to be a person who helps, uh, in, in, like I can think of those who are vulnerable and hurting, and you have gifts of mercy to pour into them, don't think that you're the best person in the world. Just remember that God's grace has poured into you, and now it's pouring out. It's Jesus. Keep Jesus central. I had a good friend years ago who said, and I, I'm sure that this has been said before, but I think that when Jesus begins to work in a, in a person or in a church, we have two choices. We will either be glory stealers or glory revealers. You will either try to steal the glory and say, look, what, look what, who I am, look what I'm doing, or you will be a glory revealer and you will use whatever God is doing in your life to point people to Jesus. Let me tell you, one of the most important things, every single one of you, I'm talking to Christians now, your job is to be a glory revealer. Don't take any credit for what God is doing in your life. Notice this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Peter and John believe that their ministry is a continuation of what Jesus did. If you read the Gospels, you'll learn that Jesus often healed people. He was a servant of God. God worked miracles through him and brought many people uh, to saving faith. Peter and John are saying that we're doing the same. But notice this. He tells them that they have delivered over and denied Jesus in the presence of Pilate. He is saying to them that they have killed the author of life. Now, let me say this to you. And I think, I, I, I really do, I, I think our church, I've listened to Nick preach, um, I know that he, he lays it down on the line. The temptation today is to want to hear preaching that's just positive and feel good. But the problem with that is, is you find it almost nowhere in the scriptures. The Bible, when you see a sermon, usually you're getting punched in the face. Do you understand? Like, not literally, but rhetorically, with words. Because we need to be told the truth. Look at what Peter says. This is not easing into a sermon. This is not a feel-good moment. He calls them out in verses 13 and 14. He says, you killed. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. Christian preaching calls out sin and calls sinners to Jesus. So let me say this today. When God begins to work in your life, he is calling you. He is calling you out of sin. He wants you to walk away from sin. But here's the deal. Christian preaching is not just about what you are supposed to walk away from. We talk about Jesus because we want you to know that he's who you walk to. And in this world, it's not enough for somebody to just tell you what not to do. We need to know what to do, who to follow, and that is Jesus I think a tough world, and I think we would all agree, this is a pretty tough world, requires a tough word from God. My question for you is, can you take it? Are you strong enough to hear that word? Now here in verses 13 and 14 and 15, here's the basic teaching that Peter gives. He says, you know this Jesus, he came to this earth 
and he lived and he died. In fact, he was killed. He was murdered, in a sense, uh, for no crime committed. But he did that so that he could bear the weight and the burden of your sin. Verses 13 and 14 are telling us something about the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. That's just a fancy phrase for this. You and I are sinners, and if it were not for the fact that Jesus died for our sins as a sacrifice, we would die in our sins. And this is the gospel message. That's a hard message. It is hard when you're sharing the gospel with your friends to say, well, you know, your sins have put Jesus on the cross. That's a hard word, but it's a true word. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ, I know that today there are some communicators that just make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Let me just say this. I think following Jesus in this world is the toughest choice you'll ever make. I think it's going to require more heartache, pain, and sorrow than you can imagine. I think you can walk away from Jesus right now and float through life and have a good time, but you will not have heaven. I am not calling people to come to Christ to an easy life, but I think we had better get ready to take up our cross and follow him. Peter is preaching hard because this world is hard and to turn away from our sins is hard, but if you do, Jesus will save you. We have to have this kind of courage, brothers and sisters. We have to realize that it takes a miracle, a miracle of faith to get our attention and to make us believe that it is worth our entire lives to give our lives to Jesus. God is at work here in this text, and he's working in fresh ways. But I want you to know this. Though God does work in fresh ways, he's always solving the same old problem, and that is the problem of human sin. Today we may say that there are miracles happening and God's working in different ways in the world. I'm not afraid of that, but I will tell you this. No matter how God is working, he is working to redeem sinners from their sin. He works in the world to save souls. And your soul is so valuable to God that every once in a while he's going to show up in a big way. And I am praying that God is showing up in a big way in your life today. This man who experienced the miracle. He became an illustration of God's grace. And let me tell you this. I believe a lot of people were drawn to Peter and John to hear a sermon. They ran to hear a sermon. And that day when they didn't expect it, Jesus, the power of Jesus, saved them from their sins. And my hope is that some of you here today, that you are here and have been brought to Jesus, by some, brought to church by some miracle, some way, somehow, some fashion, you're here. And now is the time for you to receive Christ. But hold on one second. Before you do that, I want to talk to the believers in this room. Because the second purpose of a miracle that we're going to talk about today, we have two more we'll talk about next week, but just hold your horses, we'll get there next week. The second one today is, I believe that miracles increase our confidence in Christ. What I'm noticing today is that people who are raised in church, like many of you, many of you in this room that have been maybe in church all of your life, you know about Jesus and the gospel, but you're just not confident in your gospel, confident in your gospel walk. There's a lack of confidence. So it's not a question for some of you of whether or not you've received Jesus. I believe you have. But I think over time, what we tend to do is we tend to drift. 
Now, again, the purpose of the miracle here, as I see it, especially in verse 16, is that it can be used, it can be a moment where God brings us back into a stronger relationship. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. When I read that, when I began to meditate on that verse... I was reminded that the Christian walk is always a walk of faith and that when we are truly where we need to be in our walk of faith, it is through Jesus. Now, I think it takes a miracle every once in a while to realize that we're not walking through Jesus. Jesus is with us. We're just not experiencing his power. Our work and our life and our ministry, as it were, is not through him. Okay, once again, with him, yes, through him, no. You see, the Holy Spirit operates in the name of Jesus. And I want you to see that because it is in the name of Jesus that we are saved, but it is also in the name of Jesus that we are sanctified, that we are able to become what we are called to be. I think today that there are many of us, many of us who, again, as I said earlier, we don't have good direction in our walk. We're not walking in the right way. But if we will do things through Jesus, not just in proximity to Jesus, things will be so much better. All miracles from God point us to Jesus and give us the confidence that he is the only begotten of the Father. I think many of our young people, especially when they start getting into those high school years, that is when the devil starts attacking us. When we get into the workforce, I think it starts happening again. When we have families, it starts happening again. At those critical moments in our lives, Satan starts attacking us, and we begin to drift. We begin to forget who we are in Christ. And and I want you to hear this. I mean, it sounds like such a minor thing. But confidence really matters. Like, for instance, when you go into a job interview someday, and if you're, if you're nervous and, you know, kind of just, you know, nervous ticks and doing all these things. Like, for instance, a guy on the stage, if I was up here, you know, doing this and all that kind of stuff, it would, it would probably distract you, wouldn't it? You know? You throw in, uh, yeah. So, so nervous ticks can be a problem. No, it's just trash, man. It's not, yeah. yeah. Silver and gold, I have none. But anyway, um, um you know, confidence matters. I can tell you right now that, that most of the time getting hired is not being, having the best resume. It's just being confident, being secure in who you are and strong. I mean, you can go a long way with that, okay? But here's the deal. In Christ, it seems like so many of us, because we've been hurt by other Christians, because we're just hurting, we just don't seem to have confidence, and it shows. We don't have confidence, and it shows. It shows in the way we act, and it also shows up in the way we don't act. It shows up in the way we don't act when we're never sharing the gospel. Let me tell you this. If you're never sharing the gospel, that means you've lost your confidence. And, And many of us here today, we are in great need of recovering our confidence. It takes a miracle to do that. I want you to take a look at this passage again. Chapter 3 is beautiful. When this man was healed, it was perfect. It was a perfect healing. Look at verse uh, 16, very end of it. Uh, He has given the man this perfect health. 
And here's what's wild. That word perfect is the same word used for um, sacrifices in the temple. And what that means is complete, whole, worthy uh, to be used of God. So here, a man who was lame and couldn't do anything is now walking, leaping, praising. He was then made perfect by the touch of God. Here's the deal. None of you are perfect, but if you let Jesus have a hold of your heart, take hold of your heart, you can be complete. You can begin to have a life that is better and more in line with God. Hear this. God's word tells us, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We have a promise from God that if we will stay faithful to God, he will bring to fullness, completion, wholeness, let's call it perfection, the promises he gave us years ago. Many of us in this room, I would say, I would hope, you would say that you still believe in Jesus, but you have lost your confidence. You have forgotten that he can turn it all around. You know, I'm praying for a miracle. I am praying for a miracle. I'm praying for a miracle that God will begin to work, not just in this generation, not just in these individuals, but I am praying that God will work miracles in all the church's lives, all the people in the church's life, because it seems like we need something like that. We need a supernatural interaction. We need to be uh, brought back into a right relationship with Jesus, a rededication, a restoration. The dryness of your soul needs rain from heaven. The heaviness of your heart needs rest. The brokenness of your spirit needs healing. And only Jesus can do that. So it's interesting to me that in this amazing miracle, there are two things here that are so obvious. God wants to use the miracle to bring people to faith. And he wants to use the miracle to help people of faith believe in miracles again. So you're in one of two places. You need the miracle of faith, or some of us in this room need to begin to believe in miracles once more, to know that God can do something through us. I believe that God wants to do something through you. Our students learned about balance, and it is so evident that so many lives are out of balance. So many people are failing to find that path that God has for them. But let's not let that happen one moment more. Let's make sure that the work of God begins its work on us. And that you, here today, if you need Jesus, you will receive the miracle of salvation. And friends, please don't continue to walk don't continue to walk in such a way that doesn't, it, it, your life isn't pleasing God. God wants to do a great work, a miracle in your life. Let's receive him today as we pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.